Good morning. Uh, welcome to Marysville Church of Nazarene. Good to see you all out there today, and uh, you're at least half your faces. And uh, good to see your good to see your beautiful eyes. And uh, you know, one thing we, we do want you to be aware of: if if you're able to, if you have a smartphone and and you're on Facebook, you you could share uh, the service even now and say, "Join me." Uh, I'm in services, and, and they could join you on Facebook as the services are live. So I encourage you, if that's something you do, to, to do that. Uh, we, we do want to give our condolences to Yvonne. Uh, Ed passed um, Sunday or Saturday? Sunday. And so she's here with us today, and this is her first time in services without Ed for a few years. And uh, Ed was loved. We, we're going to miss him. And uh, we know he's in a better place. We know that he's healed and whole. And we're happy, but we're still going to miss him. And services are pending. We'll let you know as soon as uh, we, we have final details for that. Uh, but we're praying for you, Yvonne. Love you. Uh, love Dad. We're going to miss him. And uh, just uh, keep her in her, your prayers. Uh, we do want to remind you we're, we're still working towards um, limited reopenings, uh, you know, sm small steps. And so we're looking at some Sunday school classes to begin in September. Uh, we're looking at Children's Church to begin at some point in September, working out those details, uh, trying to be as safe as we can be, and trying to protect uh, you all as we gather together. We, we believe gathering matters. Amen? amen? That was weak. All right? I want a real amen, okay? I haven't had a real amen for a few weeks, okay? So we believe gatherings matter. Amen. Yeah, man, that was a good one. Man, you guys are awesome. And so we want to do, we want to do the right things and take steps and, and be careful, but at all at the same time, we, we believe that God is calling us as a people to gather together. And so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to worship, and uh, I invite you to stand with me. If you're happy and you know it, say amen. Let's pray. That's another good amen. <laughs> Our Heavenly Father, we give you praise and thanks for this opportunity to gather in your name. Uh, we're, we're in this place on purpose. Uh, there, there's an intention here. It's not just something that we've done because the alarm went off and this is what we do, but we're here to meet with you. And so we meet with you through singing. When we, we sing your praises, Lord, we, we meet with you. We, we're, we're here to, to, to encounter your word. We meet you in your word. But Lord, we also believe we meet you in each other. That, that somehow your Holy Spirit has filled the individuals in this room. And so when we look at each other, we can see the image of God reflected in each of us. Now, now as we've went through this week, there's been difficulties and good times. And yet, Lord, we are going to sing because you're worthy of our praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
this is absolutely worthy of praise.
a good, loud amen. Thanks for that, Judy. That was Judy, right? It's so hard. Um, you know, as we were singing that song during practice, the line at the very beginning um, reminded me of, of a, a scene in the movie Ramona and Beezus. Has every, anyone ever seen that movie? Read the book, maybe? Okay, maybe that's a lot more rare than I thought. <laughs> anyway, Ramona is this little girl, she's maybe 10, who has an incredible imagination. She's just the spunkiest little girl that gets into a little bit of trouble, but like just innocent trouble, right? Um, well, towards the end of the movie, she doesn't feel loved in her home. And so she packs up her things. She packs up her suitcase and she runs away. And her mom follows her down the sidewalk in the car and it's starting to rain and she's sitting at the bus stop and that's when she sees her mom who had been following her the whole time I'm sorry <laughs> it's so powerful to me her mom followed her the whole time as she ran away and was faithful to her to say come back home I do love you I want you here <laughs> and I just think what an incredible picture of our God's love for us that even when we think we're running away and following what we want he is right there, steadfast in his love for us. I don't have any more to say. Let's sing this song again. <laughs>
so many ways we've prayed our prayer that you would be before us, behind us, to the side of us, where we're going. You've been. You are where we've been. God, you are everywhere. And it is in noticing those things in every moment, addressing our need for you and your grace every minute of our day. God, that that is what calls us to hope. Lord, I pray that right now in this moment that that is what we're able to do is to lay our burdens before you and that you help us shoulder those burdens. God, I pray that as we leave this place, we would be encouraged by each other because of you in our lives, showing love to each other. God, we love you and we want our lives to show that. This week, we had an important milestone in our house. Emerson purchased his first baseball bat, or we got it for him. And um, Ryan has been looking forward to this day. Up to this point, we've had like the plastic baseball bat in the backyard and the plastic balls and the little tee and all of that. And now somehow, this feels very official. Um, I joked when I came in, I was like, I'm part of the security team this morning. Everybody watch out. I do not know what I'm doing with this. but. Just having this baseball bat and having it hanging up in our garage is not going to be how Emerson learns how to play baseball. It's not going to be how he learns how to play softball. For him to be able to use this, it's going to take hours and hours of practice. It's going to be a lot of time that Ryan is committing to being in the backyard with him, pitching over and over and over and over again. And ultimately, the reason that he would do this is because someday, whether it's on a team or just hanging out with some friends, he's going to have his moment where he steps up to the plate. And you guys know, these poor batters, everybody is watching. And he's going to get up there and he's going to get ready. And people are going to watch and see what happens in that moment. And that will feel like this is his moment. In that moment, he's not going to make the game-winning catch He's not going to get some pop fly. His, his moment is that he is going to hope that he makes contact with that ball, and it somehow helps his team. And um, I'll be honest, I have never in my life put very much effort into learning how to use a baseball bat and being effective. So if I'm up at bat and it is my moment, can I be honest, I'm standing there, oh, Best case is four balls and I get to walk to first base. Oh, worst case is that it's going to be three strikes and I'm out. And I think sometimes in life, especially for me, I like to try to pretend that I don't know that I am at bat. Kind of just as things are happening around me, I'm just like, oh, please be four balls and just walk me to first base. Instead, of being willing to take that risk, to have that moment. Today we're talking about Esther. And she is one of, I feel like, one of the most fascinating women that's represented in scripture. She has this, this ability and this position that she didn't pick. She was chosen to be this queen. And in that moment, whether she likes it or not, she's at bat. She finds out that there is this plan in place that would harm not only her, but her entire people, all of the Jewish people. And she has a choice. She can stand there and hope for the best, or she can swing. 
and take, take her shot. And so um, from Esther, we get this great line talking about what if you have been placed in royalty? What if you have been made a queen for such a moment as this? And I don't know about you guys, but right now it's really easy for me to think, man, it would be really great if I had lived 100 years ago. I was born in the wrong century. I was, I was made for simpler times. Give me the like, little house on the prairie. And every time I, have the, I let my mind start to wander there, I feel like that verse comes back to me and it's like, no, no. What if you were placed in Marysville right now for such a time as this? Kids, as you guys are going back to school, what if you were given that teacher this year for such a time as this, that there is going to be a moment? It is, it's the moment. And it's not an accident. What if you were given that student for such a time as this? What if you were given any opportunity? If we had saw each of our opportunities every day as, as the moment, instead of waiting for those big moments that we all, honestly, mostly we, we realize when we've missed them. We realized that was the big moment and we, and we didn't swing. So I'd encourage you, as things are changing this week, you guys are going back to school, getting teachers, you guys are getting new students. Let's just think about this is the moment. We are at bat. People are watching. Let's be honest. They're watching how we handle these situations. This week we were talking with Brian during our podcast, and that was one of the moments that stuck out to me, is he was talking about people watching how we handle our moments. So every day we've got big moments and small moments, but they are all moments. And I mean... Let's make it a home run, okay? Thank you, Pastor Mara. And I uh, always listen, enjoy listening to Josh and Mara. They, they encourage me. I, I hope they encourage you as well. Who likes Westerns in here? Who, who's, who's my Westerns? The, well, about a third of you. Who hates Westerns? Okay, about a third of you. Well, then just, just uh, tune me out for a few moments. Can anybody name this movie? High noon. That's right. That, that's my, I believe that's my all-time favorite Western. And the cowboy in this picture is? Gary Cooper. Gary Cooper. There you go. High noon, it's a, it's a familiar story. Gary Cooper is a, a newlywed, and he, he's getting ready to leave town. And a bad guy that he had placed in jail is getting out, and he's coming back for revenge. And of course, Gary Cooper's bride is saying, hey, let's, let's, just, let's just leave. Uh, but what do you think? Do you think Gary Cooper stays in town or do you think he leaves with his newlywed bride? He stays in town, right? And he tries, he recruits, tries to recruit the town to help him and nobody will help him. And finally, you have this epic gun battle at the end of the, the, the movie. And Gary Cooper kills the bad guy, takes his badge off, and drops it in the dirt and leaves with the pretty maiden. All right, that pretty familiar story, kind of stories we see over and over. Uh, what, what if the story had been different? What, what if Gary Cooper would have retired as a sheriff and the movie would have been two hours of him fishing, not catching anything, getting frustrated and throwing his fishing rod in the dirt? end a movie, right? That's kind of like my fishing, by the way. Uh, but what if the movie would have been like that? Who would have watched it? 
I have my hands up, but I wouldn't have. Nobody will watch that movie. That's not very interesting, is it? It's not something you want to spend your time with. You know, good stories, and I would say this, good lives require some conflict, some, some difficulty, that, that it's the difficulties, it's the hardships of life that oftentimes makes life interesting. Samsung did a, um, a two-hour, an hour-long movie uh, not too long ago of just a wash cycle. And, and they called it the most boring movie ever. <laughs> and they did that, of course, as an advertisement for their, their washing machine. But they also they, they, they did that in connection with what are the most boring movies ever. And, and so this was, a, this was a viral thing, this hour-long wash cycle of a red sock. No one wants to live an hour-long wash cycle, right? You know, we want our lives to have meaning and, and interest. And, and as we're concluding this epic series, and, and we've been talking about this ideal of, through, through my ministry here, of ordinary people following Jesus. When you follow Jesus, it's anything but ordinary. When you truly sell out to Jesus and say, whatever you call me to do, wherever you call me to go, however you call me to serve, or however you call me to give, I'm going to do it. It's anything but ordinary. It's extraordinary. It's this, this life full of meaning and significance. It's this life full of interesting things. And in this epic journey, timing matters when we choose to join God's epic story. And so we're going to look at another story where, where timing matters. It's the, the story of Esther. Esther is, who would say, I'm very familiar with the story of Esther. Okay, You know, it, it's not David and Goliath. It, it, it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not even Gideon. It, it, it's one of those stories that, that unless you seek it, unless you're really familiar Unless you're in a study of Esther, probably you're not going to pick up the book of Esther. It's kind of the end of the history books. So, so it's not, it, it's fairly familiar, but it's not probably the most familiar story in the Bible. Probably more people have heard about Daniel in the lion's den and David and Goliath than they have about Esther. But Esther's another one of these exile stories. It's, it's during the Persian Empire and the Persian king's wife, the queen, displeases the king. Now, in those days, to displease your husband, the king, was bad, right? Everybody say, that's bad, right? And so she's out. And so the king is looking for a new queen. And he's taking applications. I, I don't know how that worked then, but he's taking applications. He's trying to find a new bride. And his new queen is Esther. Now, now Esther is a, a Jewish maiden. She's, she's, she's part of the exile. And, you know, that, that's not really a big, uh, that's not why the king chooses her. Um, as a matter of fact, it's questionable whether he knows uh, where, where she comes from. And, and, but she becomes the queen. And there's this other individual that we're going to focus on next week called Mordecai. Uh, Mordecai is able to uncover a plot against the king. And so he reveals this plot against the king, and, and, and you know, the, the king is thankful, and he saves the king's life. 
And yet he doesn't do anything to honor Mordecai. Then we get to this guy, Haman. Three main characters, four main characters. You have a king, you have Esther, you have Mordecai, and you have Haman. And Haman is elevated in the kingdom. The, 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 the king sees something in him and he elevates Haman. And Haman gets mad at Mordecai. <laughs> Sounds like life, doesn't it? Because Mordecai refuses to bow down to honor Haman like Haman thinks he deserves. And so he decides, I'm going to kill Mordecai. And he finds out that Mordecai belongs to this people known as the Jews. And so he figures the best way to do this is just to wipe out this whole group of people living in exile in Persia. And so he has the king issue an order. He tells the king there's this group of people that, that, that don't really follow the laws. They don't follow the rules. That they live contrary to the kingdom. And they refuse to blend in. And I think we need to do something about it. So the king issues an order. And Mordecai, uh, or Haman, begins to make plans on how he's going to exterminate the Jewish people in exile, and in so doing, kill Mordecai. Now Mordecai finds out, and he reaches out to, to Esther, and, and he begins to plead with Esther to, to somehow use her position as queen to help him, to help the Jewish people. And so Esther eventually decides, okay, I will, I will try to help. And so she is able to get the attention of the king. And in his attention, she says, hey, I, I want to have a banquet for Haman. I, I want to have a, a big banquet, and I want to invite Haman. And so the king says, okay, that, that, that sounds good. You know, he's, he sees her in a favorable light, and, and they have this big banquet, and Haman is a part, and he's feeling pretty good about himself as you might imagine, and he's still plotting. Things are going well. I'm going to be able to follow through with my plan. I'm going to be able to exterminate these, this Jewish race. I'm going to be able to kill Mordecai. And in his, in his excitement, he goes home, and he builds these gigantic gallows so that he can publicly kill Mordecai. That night, the king can't sleep. Uh, and so he begins to go through his archives. And, and as he's going through his archives, he, he, he notices, he remembers that Mordecai had done this great kindness to him and had, had alerted him to this plot, and he realizes they had never honored Mordecai. He calls in Haman the next day and says, hey, Haman, you know, I, I have this individual that I want to honor, and, and you know, what, what do you think? And, you know, let, let, let's put the royal robe on him, and, and let's put him on the king's horse and parade him around town. And, you know, Haman's thinking, hey, maybe this is going to be pretty good for me, right? <laughs> and the king says, Mordecai. And so Haman has to put a royal robe on Mordecai, put him on the king's 
horse. Don't tell me God doesn't have a sense of humor, okay? He does. Put him on the royal horse and parade him around town so that he can get acclaim and praise. Esther says, okay, I want to have another banquet. And once again, she invites Haman, whose confidence level is probably a little bit lower by this time. What do you think? And as Haman is in the banquet, Esther unveils to the king Haman's plan. And the tables are reversed. And it's not Mordecai and the Jews that are killed, but it's Haman. And Mordecai, the Jew, the Jew is elevated so that he actually lives in Haman's home. Now, in the middle of this story, there's this line. And, and Mara alluded to it. And Esther is, is struggling with what she can do. You know, she, she's the queen, but it's not like it is now. You understand? That, that, you know, Esther can't just walk in on the king and make demands, even though she's the queen. She, she has to rely on the king inviting her presence. And so she's concerned. She, she doesn't know how she can make a difference. And Mordecai says to her, who knows whether you've not attained royalty for such a time as this. And that's where we get that phrase. Such a time as this. Can you say that with me? Such a time as this. Timing matters when we choose to join God's epic story. Um, we live in a time. The church exists. You exist in a time where we can stand out. You have been created for such a time as this. Hope stands out when hopelessness is all around, right? Grace stands out in a graceless world. Listening stands out in a world of constantly competing sound bites. Giving stands out in a world where everything is take. You know, I, I don't need to, to list all the things that we're going through. COVID-19, racial unrest, um, political unrest, financial unrest. Now, I, I would venture to guess, because I don't typically sense these things in the same way for whatever reason, I'm, I'm weird. Say that, say amen to that, I'm weird. I, I don't typically feel a lot of outside stress, um, but I feel more stress now than I have my entire life. Would anybody join me and say, yeah, pastor, I'm feeling more stressed than I ever have in my entire life. There is more emotional distress and depression and unease and anxiety than we've ever experienced in our life. And we need a group of people. I need to be a person of hope and peace even in the midst of this time. Such a time 
as this. You know, we live in a time of labels. Right? You're pro this or pro that. We live in a time where everybody is something. What if we became less concerned with labeling people and more concerned with loving people? What if this became a place where we're not concerned about your politics? You can have your political, I don't care. Did I say that out loud? You can have your political perspective. But what if we became place, regardless of your political perspective, whatever your perspective was on COVID-19, on anything, that you could be loved here, and they knew that they wouldn't be labeled, but loved. See, it's our call today. Our, our call today is for such a time as this. And we exist in this time in God's desire for you, God's desire for your family, God's desire for your church is that we will model something different in this kingdom, in this place. That our relationships with each other will be different They will know you are my disciples by how you love each other. I didn't say that. You know who said that? Who said that? Jesus said that. Jesus said, they'll know you belong to me by the way you love one another. So here we are such a time as this. If there's ever been a time in my ministry when a church has existed in such a time as this, it's now. And God is calling his church to join him on this epic journey. Not to bury our heads in the sand, not to shake with fear, not to withdraw to ourselves, but God is calling us to be salt and light in a time that needs salt and light like never before. Amen. You ever heard the phrase carpe diem? What's that mean? Seize the day. I think that's a good, I think that's a good phrase for us. Let's Let's seize the day. Let's seize this moment. And can I tell you, when you seize the moment, <laughs> your story becomes high noon, not Gary Cooper fishing. You with me? Our story becomes epic. Not because we're epic, but because our God is epic. And he's inviting us to join him. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the stories that we find in your word. And we're thankful for what they call us to do and be. I pray, Lord, that we will be the people you intend us to be. That we will um, truly love you and love others. That, that we'll stand out in our neighborhoods for our love.
for our mercy, for the hope that we have, for the peace that we have. Lord, we'll be less concerned about labeling people and more concerned about loving people. As I think about Jesus, he lived in a time of labels. He lived in the time where people were tax collectors and prostitutes and sinners. And religious people loved placing those labels on them. And Jesus moved beyond labels to loving. And he loved them just like they were. Just this week, Lord, I was, I was thinking about the disciples. And the, and the disciples, the ones that he called to him, Jesus actually said, you men of little faith. As that line has went through my mind, it's, you know, we can, we can take that as, oh, well, they didn't have enough faith at that moment, but Jesus saw great faith in it, or in them, or, or we could take it as Jesus chose guys that maybe no one else would choose and said, you belong to me. May we be like Jesus. May we see through the eyes of our Father and let me move with the love of the Son. Stand with me if you will. I don't know if you've been noticing or not, but I've been trying to close with a benediction or a blessing. And The numbers blessing is so meaningful. And the truth is, as your pastor, you know, I have this stewardship of you. That God has called me to speak these words of truth to you from him. And so when I say this blessing, it's, it's not my blessing, it's God's blessing. And, and my prayer for you is that you would just let this wash over you today. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. God bless folks, you're dismissed. 